you have a copy of God's Word with you this morning, turn with me to the book of Genesis, chapter 22. Genesis chapter 22. As we look at one other way that we are to respond to God's Word. Um, On the screen... I'm going to read these verses, and they will be on the screen if you don't have a copy of God's Word. If you do, read along with me silently as I read the first 19 verses of Genesis chapter 22. Now, I need to read all of these verses because you need to understand what is going on. When we come to the name Jehovah-Jireh, toward the end of this passage, that God is the one who provides you need to understand what he's providing for. And so uh, let's read these verses and then we will look at responding to God's worth as the God who provides. After these things, God tested Abraham. After what things? Well, if you go back to chapter 12 all the way through chapter 22, you will see a number of things that God has been testing and God continues to be faithful in. From the time that he called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees to the time that uh, just in a few chapters past, in chapter 19 and 20, where he told him what he was going to do as he was going to go down and he was going to destroy Sodom and Gomorrah and he was going to allow Lot and his family to escape before that. After these things, God tested Abraham and said to him, Abraham, and he said, here I am. He said, this is God speaking, take your son, your only son, Isaac, whom you love, and go to the land of Moriah, and offer him there as a burnt offering on one of the mountains of which I shall tell you. So Abraham rose early in the morning, saddled his donkey, and took two of his young men with him and his son Isaac. He cut wood for the burnt offering and arose and went to the place which God had told him. On the third day, Abraham lifted up his eyes and saw the place from afar. Then Abraham said to the young men, Stay here with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there and worship and come again to you. And Abraham took the wood of the burnt offering and laid it on Isaac his son. And he took in his hand the fire and the knife. So they went both of them together. And Isaac said to his father, Abraham, My father, and Abraham, he said, Here I am, my son. He said, Behold, the the fire and the wood, but where is the lamb for a burnt offering? Abraham said, God will provide for himself the lamb for a burnt offering, my son. So they went, both of them, together. When they came to the place which God had told him, Abraham built the altar there and laid the wood in order and bound Isaac, his son, and laid him on the altar on top of the wood. Then Abraham reached out his hand and took the knife to slaughter his son. But the angel of the Lord called to him from heaven and said, Abraham, Abraham. And he said, here I am. He said, do not lay your hand on the boy or do anything to him. For now I know that 
you fear God, seeing that you have not withheld your son, your only son, from me. And Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. And Abraham went and took the ram and offered it up as a burnt offering instead of his son. So Abraham called the name of that place Jehovah-Jireh. The Lord will provide, as it is said to this day. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time from heaven and said, By myself I have sworn, declares the Lord, Behold, excuse me, because you have done this and have not withheld your son, your only son, I will surely bless you and I will surely multiply your offspring as the stars of heaven and as the sand that is on the seashore and your offspring shall possess the gate of his enemies." And in your offspring shall all the nations of the earth be blessed because you have obeyed my voice. So Abraham returned to his young men and they arose and went together to Beersheba and Abraham lived at Beersheba. Let's pray. Heavenly Father, this passage is packed. Father, there are so many nuggets. God, would we see this morning afresh and anew? Would you convict? Would you challenge? Would you encourage? Father, even some of the passages and the verses here, would you even dare us, Lord, to believe you, that you are the one who provides? Father, I bow and I ask that you would speak, that you would allow our minds to comprehend these words this action, this test that we see one like us. We see Abraham pass. God, might it remind us of the test that you have, that we're walking in the midst of right now, that we will walk in the midst of in the few days ahead, in the months ahead. God, you would Direct our paths. But Father, this morning I do pray that you would speak. I ask it in Christ's name. Amen. This is one of my favorite passages in all of the Old Testament. Say, Brian, you're a pastor. You're going to say that to every passage. Maybe. But really... This is one of my favorite passages. It is my favorite passage in all of Genesis. And it's probably the second favorite in all of the 39 books of the Old Testament. Isaiah 6 being uh, more than likely my favorite. But here's something that I also know. Just because it's my favorite, it does not mean that I can just stand up here and say, all right, 
Here's what it is, and let's move forward. There is something that I want us as a church to grasp out of Genesis chapter 22, the first 19 verses, for us to see in this major event in Abraham's life and apply it to your life and my life today and to the church's life this week and in future days. Let me tell the story. I just read the story. Just let me bring out a couple of, of points and then we will get to the points this morning. This is not the first time that God tested Abraham. You're going to go through your life. I'm going to go through my life. And there are going to be a number of tests that you and I have to deal with. We, we go to 12 years of grammar, junior high, and high school. And in those Years We are tested like daily pop quizzes, we're tested weekly tests, sectional tests, and then we have some final exams. And there are varying degrees of those tests, and it's the same way spiritually that God will test you. He will test you each and every day, maybe with a pop quiz, maybe you knew it was coming, maybe you didn't, and you flunked it royally. Abraham went through that. There were some days that he tested Abraham. And one of those days was in chapter 12 where he said, All right, Abraham, I want you to get up out of this land of idolatry and this house of idolatry, and I want you to leave to a place that I will tell you about later. And Abraham passed the test. He got up, his family, he allowed Lot to go with him, and they went to Haran, and they stayed there until their dad died, uh, until Abraham's dad died, and then they moved to Canaan where God showed him. He passed the test. There, there came a famine. Abraham did not ask God what he ought to do. And he got his family and he went to Pharaoh in Egypt. And he failed the test. And he failed the test even more, if you read. Because Pharaoh looked at Sarah and said, wow, she is beautiful. I want her. And he says, all right, Sarah, I want to live. This is Abraham talking. I want to live so you and I are brother and sister. Deal with it. And so... Sarah was taken from him and went into the presence of Pharaoh. Thank the Lord. And the Lord showed up and he spoke to Pharaoh and said, what in the world are you doing? This is this man's wife. You're going to be cursed. And he said, I didn't have a clue, God. You, you can't curse me. I didn't even have a clue. He said, you better give her back. And he did. Abraham failed the test. There are some tests that you are going to take and you are going to pass them. There are some tests that you're going to take and you're going to fail them. Some of us know that physically as well as spiritually. I remember my first test in seminary. It was on evangelism. You would think, all right, this guy is, he's at seminary. Failed. I wanted to quit. I did. I wanted to quit. Went to the prof and I said, uh, what in the world? I studied and I still failed. He said, well, let me give you some good news. That's the easiest one of the year. <laughs> so what I do? Well, he became my golf partner and we uh, met every Friday to play golf. And uh, I had a B in that class when I finished. I let him beat me every single week. I studied Dr. Forshee, I promise. Um, there are tests in your life and my life. And there was a test in Abraham's life here. 
And what you and I need to understand in Genesis chapter 22 is not the first test. It is the final exam that Abraham is going to be given by the father. And those tests are preparing him from Genesis 12 when he called him out of the Ur of the Chaldees to Genesis chapter 22. They're preparing him for that test. And he's preparing you and he's preparing me for that same exam. What's the final The final is this, you, sir, you, ma'am, as God's children, as as a son of God, as a daughter of God, you and I are called to be like Christ. And so in the end, at the end of our lives, we are to be like Christ. That's been predetermined by God, that you're, throughout all eternity, you're going to look like Christ. And he's preparing us for that. He's preparing Abraham for that. So here's the test. Go offer your son, Isaac, your only son, the son that you love. Go offer him as a burnt offering on this mountain that I'm going to tell you about, that I'm going to show you about later. Go do this. Read or look at verse 3. Right after God says that, so Abraham thought about it. Abraham pondered it. Abraham, no, Abraham rose early the next morning, saddled his donkey, took two of the young men, cut firewood with Isaac in tow, and went. Three days they journeyed. The whole time, Abraham is looking at his son as if he is dead. Three days. Probably not much talk happening those three days. He tells the two servants and the donkey, y'all stay here, the boy and I are going to go over there and worship and we will come back to you again. Abraham took the wood for the burnt offering, he laid it on Isaac, his son. He also took in his hand the fire and also the knife and they went, both of them, together. And they're walking and I'm sure there is some Huge, awkward silence. And Isaac has seen this all before. He has seen wood. He has seen fire. He's seen a knife. And he asked the question, Father, here's the wood for the offering. I understand it. Here, Here is the knife. Here's the fire. Where's the lamb? Father, for an offering to be offered, there must be a lamb. Where's the lamb? Abraham says God will provide a lamb for the offering. There's the mountain, Abraham, the Mount Moriah. It's spoken of twice in the Old Testament. 
here and also in the life of David. Here it's spoken of that Abraham sees that place and that's the place that God wants Abraham to offer Isaac. It's also the place where at the end of this passage it states this. Verse 14. The Lord will provide. As it is said to this day, on the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. At that place, out at Moriah, if you fast forward to the life of David in the uh, book of Samuel, you would see that there is a field that David buys. And it is this area, it is this mountain and around it that field that David buys so that Solomon his son can build what? He can build the temple. And it is at that same place some 1500 years after Solomon that Christ is crucified. On the mount of the Lord it shall be provided. One more statement and then we'll look at a couple of points for our application today. Abraham is 110 to 115 years of age. Isaac is no longer a little boy. He is more than likely a teenager and Abraham finds him and lays him on the altar. And every time I read it, I think about how in the world could God want that? Is he just like the God of the Moabites? Is he just like Molech who wants? And every Moabite, they offer their firstborn child to Molech. And God says, I detest that. I abhor that. Yet he is calling Abraham to do just that. That's not what God is wanting. He is testing. And so let's look at that this morning. The first is this. First point. As your faith matures, just like Abraham's, as your faith matures, you will be tested. You and I don't like that. I didn't like it in class when they gave tests. But just to see where you are. Just to see where you are spiritually. Where I am spiritually, God is going to test you. And He's going to test me. And we must understand that as our faith matures, we will be tested. Some of those tests will be pop quizzes and there'll be breezes. Some of them might even be open book uh, tests or quizzes. Some of those are going to be sectional and even finals in this or that subject but you and I must understand that as we grow and as we go about this life we will be tested James puts it this way in James chapter 1 verses 2 through 4 count it all joy count it all joy my brothers when you meet trials or tests of various kinds For you know this, you know that the testing of your faith produces steadfastness. And let steadfastness have its full effect, so let it have its go the full course all the way to the end, that you may be 
perfect, that you may be complete, that you may be lacking in nothing. Faith being tested is the way God brings about maturity in your life. You're like, Brian, I'm tired of all the tests. Well, you need to understand this. He doesn't test you on my level, and he doesn't test me on your level. He doesn't test us on Abraham's level. He doesn't test us on Paul or Peter's level or on Lydia's level. He he tests us on our level. It is a personal test that you are going to go through, that I'm going to go through. And as we are going through that, you and I are to count it all joy. Does that mean don't worry, be happy? No, that means that you and I understand what this is for. It is for your completion your maturity as a son or a daughter of the king you are to walk through this valley you are to walk on this mountaintop and everywhere in between for your maturity so how's that going like brian it's hard i'm sure those three days actually four days from the moment that abraham heard the words from God go take your son to this place and offer him I'm sure those days seemed longer than 24 hours I'm sure those moments were like I remember when he was born I remember that cry I remember this I remember that I remember him stubbing his toe I remember him calling out to me as daddy God's test for Abraham is massive here in Genesis chapter 22. God desires to know who Abraham loves more. Does he love God or does he love Isaac? Who does Abraham put his trust in? He's already stepped outside and looked up at the stars in the sky and heard God say that through your son, All these heirs, you'll have that number of heirs. He's already looked down at the sand on the seashore and said, try to count it. That's your descendants. And now God says to him, go and offer this boy to me. So the one task on this exam From God to Abraham is this. On this test, offer Isaac to me. You know, there are things at your house, there are things in your life, there are things that you are holding on to and you'll say, Lord, you can have anything else but not this. And you hold it back. You can have anything. Anything over there, just not anything over here. You know, it happens, maybe you have kids, maybe you have a wife or a husband, and uh, you're cleaning out, and you're going to have a yard sale, and there's the sale pile, and there's the keep pile. Now, for all of you hoarders out there, the sale pile has like two items in it, and you begrudgingly just set them over there, and the keep pile has everything still in its massive heap that you don't want to get rid of. But whatever you put over here in the sale pile, you're like, all right, I'll get rid of that. Yeah, you can take that. But these things over here are like uh, Lord of the Rings. Oh, a little precious. 
I can't, I can't let you have this. God says, Abraham, do you trust me? Do you trust me with everything that you have, with everything that you hold dear? And you hold dear Isaac, but dear, do you trust me? Your faith will be tested for maturity, but also you need to understand that obedience is completed by those who respond properly. Obedience is completed. Those of us who are having that yard sale, when we begrudgingly take whatever you want it to be, when you take that item that has been in the back of your closet for, what, 10 years now, that hasn't seen the light of day for at least six, and you grudgingly take it and say, okay, I will set this over here in the sale pile. God says, look at Abraham. He rose early in the morning the next day. He saddled his donkey. He took the two men. He cut firewood for the burnt offering. And he arose and went to this place. When I read verse 3, I cannot believe those words. The first time that I read them. He rose early. What a day to sleep in. He rose early. What a day to lag behind. He cut firewood. What a day to just smell some roses. He saddled the donkey and he went. Reminds me that delayed obedience is disobedience. How many of us have this thought running through our head? When this gets here to this point or to that point, I'll obey. When, when we get here, when I get all the things situated and squared away, that's when I will obey. God says your non-action is action. And it's the wrong action that He wants to see from you. He wants to see from me. He tests us so that you and I can grow. Abraham was able to rise early. It wasn't his first test. Abraham knew who it was who was testing him, who it was that was asking him, who it was that was expecting from him this action. And you and I know that because of the words in verse number 5. Stay here, talking to the two guys with the donkey. I and the boy will go over there points to Mount Moriah. I and the boy will worship, still pointing to Mount Moriah. And I and the boy will come again to you. Abraham knew who it was and he knew that God was faithful. Even if Isaac died, he knew that God would raise him from the dead and give him back to him. The days of this test, the days of this trial, are not there to bring about questions from Abraham to God. They're not there to bring about questions from you or me to God. That trial that you're in, that trial that you're going to be in, 
They're there to show you who your foundation is, who your rock is, and what substance you have in you. I've stated the example a number of times. Some of you have heard it more than once. Please indulge me at least one more. Two weeks in to Paige's wreck in 1999 as I sat in an apartment room about 2 o'clock in the morning. Paige is unconscious. Steel. Paige, uh, my wife, is uh, she got a head injury, an aneurysm uh, on our what they would find out later to be an aneurysm on her brain, and they also found at this time an aneurysm on her heart. She is unconscious for these two weeks, and I remember lying in bed, stating these words to God, crying these words to God. God, you love her more than I love her. Father, if you want to take her home, take her home. I just don't want her to hurt anymore. But Father, whatever it is, whatever it is that you want me to learn in this test, let me learn it so I don't have to go through something like this again to learn what you want me to learn now. That's Abraham. That's for you and that's for me. Whatever it is that God is testing you about, ask Him, Lord, whatever it is, let me learn it so that I don't have to go through something else of this magnitude to learn what you wanted me to learn five years ago when I went through that test or 20 years ago or five months ago, five minutes ago. The Lord has tests for you and He has tests for me. Don't think that these tests are just for folks like Abraham and Sarah, Hall of Fame of Faith members, or Peter or Paul or David. They're for John and Tom and Brian and Sue and you. They're stepping stones, these tests are. In a way to get us to where He wants us to be. Third and final point this morning is this, that provision is given. Provision is given for great things and also for small things. The greatest need that you have, the greatest need that you have, you might not even know this, but the greatest need that you have today and for all eternity is reconciliation with God. The greatest need that you have is to be redeemed. The greatest need that you have is salvation. All three of those terms, reconciliation, redemption, salvation, are all one in the same. You need to have a right relationship with God. And this passage speaks to how God has seen beforehand, before your need, before there was ever a thought in Abraham's mind about offering Isaac, I believe the actions of Genesis 22 by God had already taken place. The angel of the Lord called to Abraham a second time, excuse me, and Abraham lifted up his eyes and looked, verse number 13, and behold, behind him was a ram caught in a thicket by his horns. You know, Genesis 22 doesn't 
tell us when that ram was placed or when that ram was caught. But I personally believe that it was there even before that God caused his creation, that ram, to be in that place even before he goes and talks to Abraham in verse number one. How can you say that? Listen to what 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 20 and 21 states. He, Christ, was foreknown before the foundation of the world, but was made manifest in the last times for the sake of you, who through him are believers in God, who raised him from the dead and gave him glory so that your faith and hope are in God. Translation, Jesus and the Father knew before he created Adam and Eve, before he was uh, creating the uh, light and darkness, before he stepped out of nowhere onto that platform and spoke this universe into creation, he knew and provided a way for you to have salvation. Why? Because he is Jehovah Jireh which means he sees beforehand what you need and what I need and provides that need. God provided a ram in Genesis 22. God provides for our greatest needs. He provided Jesus even before he created Adam who needed Jesus. He has stated that your end goal and my end goal is Christ's likeness. And he is providing you and he's providing me opportunities every day, every week, every month, every year to bring that about for us to grow. Two things I want to close with today. The first is this, what you believe about God will definitely determine. What you believe about God will determine how you act today and how you act in future days. What you believe about Him right now will determine how you're going to act the rest of today and the rest of future days that He allows you and He allows me, He allows us to breathe. So what do you believe about him? What do you know about him? What do you see? Is he faithful? Is he the one who provides? Is he the one who heals as Robbie and the the band sang and played? Is he your rewarder? Is he your healer, your defender, your refuge? How you see him will determine how you see today and how you act today and future days. The second Do you and I trust that He is provider? Do we trust that He's provider? I want to challenge us as we come to a time of response and we come to a time as we're closing our message out. If you're a member of River Bend, this is for you. If you are a guest of River Bend today, thank you for coming. This is not for you you are not a member of this body. But here's the challenge, Riverbend. Do you 
do we believe that he is provider? When you and I became members of River Bend, we signed our name on a church covenant that stated that we would be a part of the service of River Bend Church in such a way that we would give faithfully to His church in a way that honors the Father. I understand last fall when we came together as a church and we brought a budget that was a faith budget. Meaning this, that if God didn't show up and God didn't act, there was no way in the world that we were going to meet that budget. And I understand that. And halfway through the year, a little over halfway through the year, we are some $22,200, you can see it on the back of the bulletin, behind in budget. Now, we had a cushion, and we're thankful that we had a cushion. But that cushion is steadily decreasing and decreasing and decreasing. Church, you and I multiple times have said, I believe you and this is what you want for us, so therefore I will be a part of it. Either we believe that or we don't. Now, you can look at it two ways, and I have all last few weeks, I knew that this day was coming, and I've been looking at it both ways, and I've been praying both ways. God, you are provider, so we have trusted you that you will provide, and we are continuing to trust you. I am continuing to trust that you are providing. You will provide. But at the same time, let me bring this challenge to you from Malachi chapter 3. Speaking to God's people. And I will personalize it for us at River Bend. Bring the full tithe, River Bend, into the storehouse. That's this place. That there may be food in my house. This is God speaking. And thereby put me to the test. Everywhere else in Scripture, you can go search for it. Everywhere else in Scripture it says, do not put the Lord your God to the test. But here God says, test me in it. Test me in it, Riverbend. If I will not do this, open the windows of heaven for you and pour down for you a blessing until there's no more need. I will rebuke the devourer for you. If you do this, I will rebuke the devourer for you so that it will not destroy the fruits of your soil. Your vine in the field shall not fail to bear, says the Lord of hosts. Then... All the nations will call you blessed. For you will be a land of delight, says the Lord of hosts. God has promised you and he's promised me, if we would obey in this, that he'll bless. We come here today as a family of believers and I ask you and myself to believe that he is faithful to bring this about. In doing so, that means that you and I must obey. We must give in such a way that we believe He's capable as well as willing to provide for not only your spiritual and eternal needs through Christ, but He will provide for your daily needs as well. Paul wrote it this way in 2 Corinthians to those at Corinth. He says, we want you to know, Corinthians, we want you to know, brothers, about the grace of God that has been given among the churches of Macedonia. 
For in a severe test of affliction, their abundance of joy and their extreme poverty, they have overflowed in a wealth of generosity on their part. For they gave according to their means, as I can testify, and even beyond their means of their own accord, begging us earnestly for the favor of taking part in the relief of the saints. And here's verse 5, chapter 8, verse 5. And this, not as we expected, but they gave themselves first to the Lord. And then, by the will of God, to us. The, the question isn't, is God faithful? He's faithful. The question is, will you trust Him? Will you trust Him when you want a new purse and, or you want a new set of golf clubs or you want a new side-by-side or you want a new dress or you want a new house or you want a new whatever it is, a new car, when you want something, will you trust Him? He is faithful. Now, am I not saying, I'm not saying you can't have a new purse, you can't have a new dress, you can't have a new set of golf clubs, maybe I am to myself, you can't have a new fishing, you can't have a new, that's not what I'm saying, I'm saying where is your trust? God will provide. He will provide for all of our needs, not necessarily our toys. And he is saying to you and to me, trust me to provide. And I will give back, and I will bless, and I will bless, and I will bless. Abraham was tested that day. Abraham was found faithful because he was willing to give his best, his first, his heir. You and I will be tested, and might we too be found faithful. Heavenly Father, Lord, it's not a necessarily a fun word. But Father, it is a word that is needed to be challenged. Your people, men and women, boys and girls, that you have bought with spotless, precious blood. Lord, we're yours. We've sung that. We say that. But Father, might we also mean that. God, I go back to the words this past week in the Bible study there for the men that we are to be transformed by the renewing of our minds. Not to be conformed to the, the things of this world, but to be transformed. And that only occurs in you. And Father, I... I know some of the thoughts of these that are here. I have them myself. Questions. Father, might we remember what you have done in the past. In our lives and brought us through valley after valley. Helped us soar the mountaintops after mountaintops. And Father, that you are faithful in those things that you are faithful in the greatest thing, that you have given us your Son and reconciled us, bought us back, redeemed us. And Father, that you can be found and are faithful 
in all things, small and great. So God, as we come to this time of response, I pray, Lord, I pray that uh, these people, your people, would spend some time, spend some time silently in prayer. Father, maybe it's that they need to confess some things and come back to you. Father, would you speak as their attention is on you right now? Would you speak to their heart? Speak to my heart. Father, I pray that as this time of response, Lord, we would not delay, that we would obey you. We would turn from sin. God, we would run to you. As you stand and as we are about to sing, let me remind you of, uh, let me tell you, I was reminded this week in 1 John chapter 2, verse 1. He says, if, if we sin, and that's every single one of us, if we sin, know this, you, you have an advocate. You have an advocate in, the, in, in Jesus Christ. He's by the Father right now. He is stating your case on your behalf to the Father, saying this, don't, don't put that sin on Brian, put it on me. Would you turn from that sin today? Would you confess and would you come? Maybe you need to come down front and kneel at the altar and pray. Maybe you need to stay right where you are and pray. But we're going to stand and we're going to sing. And the invitation is for us to respond. Let's sing.